Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. I have, no, I have known Daniel forever. I got stories from when he was little, and so if you want any of those, I can glad to fill you in. Uh, I, uh, I was at Rosemont Baptist Church for about 25 years. I did their music and youth for about 15 of those, and I uh, became pastor about 10 years, and uh, uh, it was uh, a glorious experience, a great church, great opportunities. I, um, just a little personal stuff, I grew up in a Christian home, my parents brought me to church nine months before I was born, you know, that kind of deal, and uh, uh, always been in church and loved it, uh, and uh, went to college and seminary, felt called ministry at a young age, 12, and didn't know exactly what that meant, and did the music, music and youth thing for a long time, and then as some of my music friends would say, I lost my salvation and went to pastor it, and uh, or, uh, or went to the dark side. They all have different different tunes for that. But uh, I did some extra seminary work and all. I did get some MDiv equivalent things. But uh, it's been a great ride, as it were. I retired a little about a year ago. Matter of fact, this month, a year ago. And uh, it's been weird. Uh, you know, I, I was always in the church, always up in the ministry position. I, I did it for over 40 years full time. And so it was really weird trying to find a church without being called to that church, you know, without having that. So that was kind of an interesting experience. And my wife's not with us this morning because we finally, a year later, found a church and uh, up in, we live in Baldwin, uh, up that area. And uh, my son does sound stuff too. And so he's supposed to start working there with that. And so she says, I want to go to that church. We'll see. I might come, you know, anyway. So She's heard me preach before, so I guess she figured I'd <laughs> go listen to somebody that knew what they were doing. Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, but this morning I, I thought, I'm, you know, of course, Daniel caught, caught me off guard a little bit, but I said, well, I've got, that's not a problem. I, I've got a file of sermons like, you know, this, and that's not a problem to find one. Uh, I, I will admit this is not one I just came up with since Friday. It takes me a little bit longer to put one together than that, but it is one I... I went over and, and worked on yesterday and, and some. and I think about, as a church, if I asked you all, do you want the church to grow, there would probably be every hand in here would say, yes, I want the church to grow. We all want that, right? And then, and then if I said, well, how many of you are exactly where you want to be in your walk with God? Not so many hands would probably walk, raise their hands. Mine wouldn't. You know, I mean... Because we all don't feel like we've actually arrived. We don't feel like God says, well, yes, you've done everything perfect and you're right and everything's great, right? We know that we're not there. So we all have to, are working on that. But we do know that God loves us and cares for us no matter what. And is with us and wants to see us enjoy the Christian lifestyle and the walk with him the best we can. Everything we can do. So our passage of scripture this morning is in Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to get used to this mic in a minute, it's not going to, I'll be playing with it, I don't want to do that. So chapter 3 of Philippians, it's on page 2353 in my book, my Bible, but no, all right, y'all got to lighten up here, all right, chapter 12, chapter 3 verse 12. And if you'd like to, we'll stand in honor reading God's word, I don't know if you do that here or, or some churches do and some don't. I'm not. So chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this 
or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is head, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a few of things. And on some point you think differently that to God may made clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears, may many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So we should all be pressing towards that goal, right? We're all headed to that goal of being with Christ and living with him forever. So we're supposed to be pressing on towards that. And we're looking for the time of Christ's return. Now, when is that going to be? Well, we've all said it's going to be any minute now, right? It could be. And we don't know if it's going to be when we die and we meet him or if we actually have the rapture and we meet him in the air. We don't know when that return of Christ is, but he's going to come again. One way or the other, we're going to see him again and, and know him and, and get close to him and meet him face to face. And we think about ourselves and we go, you know, we're not worthy of this. We're not worthy to meet face to face with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, face to face with God himself. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not ready. He has so much to offer. And sometimes we're afraid that we can't handle what he wants us to do. And then... He said this one little thing, I say, and we kind of skim over it a lot of times. It says, leave forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I don't know about you guys, but I have trouble sometimes leaving what's behind. I kind of look back and go, you know, that, but I did this, or I, this happened, or whatever. And in church life, we all look back. You know, we look back. I look back to the beginning of my ministry. And when I was in high school, when I was in high school in the 70s, um, every church this size, any size, had a youth choir of 20 or more. It didn't matter. They all did. All the churches did. Now, most of you all may not remember that, or some of you all may remember those days. But it was, if you said, when I was in high school, and, when I, and really when I first started the ministry in 80, it if you said, we're going to have a pizza party after church on a Sunday night, you'd have a packed out fellowship hall. Everybody be there ready to come have pizza and do that. Today, you do it and say, so? Right? I, it's, and some days I long for those days when, oh, man, every church had a youth choir. Every church had children's choir. Every church had, it didn't matter what size they were. It didn't matter. It just all happened. So, you know, I'm going, wow, what happened to us? In those days... I'll tell you some really bad stuff that we did when I was in high school. <clears throat> I graduated in 1974. I'll make it loud and proud. I graduated high school in 1974. And w youth group was our social group at church. 
we hung out together, we did things together. Wednesday night, Sunday night after church, we'd go all go get pizza, go do something together. We would all, my dad at the time when I was in, I guess when I first got my driver's license, had a little Toyota Corona station wagon. Now in those days, they were really small. It was a station wagon, but it was really small. I've had, I think as high as 11 people in that car. My first car I got my senior year was a Chevy Nova, a 68 Chevy Nova, okay? Two bench seats. I've had 10 in that car. Now, obviously, that is against the law, and it's not supposed to do it, and there was no seat belt. Seat belts were one of those. You know, all those things. But we would cram in there, and that was what was half the fun. I remember everybody pitching a quarter to buy gas, you know, <laughs> you know, and, two dollars would almost fill it up you know it was that kind of deal and so we would all but that I longed for those days where everything was centered the your social life was centered around the church well is that the case today no now is there a lot going on at the church yes do we have a lot of activities a lot of things I've heard even your church I mean you all have lots of things going on the the, the back-to-school stuff and the, and the Christmas baskets, already thinking Christmas baskets and already thinking those things, that's important things. But we always want to, to get to that place. We, we want to go back, but we need to be pressing on forward. There's a story about a little boy that has gotten tucked in bed and he was all ready to go ahead and went to sleep. And about the middle of the night, his mom was woken up by a thud. She goes to check on the boy and who had obviously fallen out of bed. And when she looked at him and said, what's the matter? What happened? He goes, I obviously went to sleep too close to where I got in. <laughs> Unfortunately, that story is so true of us as Christians. We are too close to where we got in. We've gotten saved, but we haven't moved any farther. You know, I'm saved. I'm done. I've got my fire insurance. I'm ready to go. But that's not what we're called to do. We're supposed to press on to grow, to continue to get better, and to get closer and closer to Christ. And so many times, we as Christians live too close to where we got in and don't really grow and get on there and move where we need to be. God has so much more in store for us. He wants, uh, wants us to know so much more about who He is. He wants us to grow closer and closer and closer to Him. That's why we're still here. Otherwise, he'd save us and send us home as soon as we got saved. No, he wants us to get ready for that relationship and get that relationship and continue to build that relationship. He wants way more than that for us. There's another story of a, of a woman by the name of Atalanta. Now, not Atlanta, but Atalanta. It's a strange name. And she was supposed to be the most beautiful woman and extremely fast runner. Swift defeat, they would call it. And there was a prize offered to anyone that could beat her in a foot race could marry her and would, would give in as a prize. But if you lost, you lost your life in this kingdom. So man after man went there and said, we, I could beat her. And many men lost their lives because they could not beat her. Well, finally, there was this guy named Hermit. Her, let me get this name right. He's a strange name. Hippomenes, there we go, Hippomenes decided, I'm going to try it. And so he took off running, and as she was about to pass him, he threw this shiny, silver, glittery ball off the track, way over. 
Well, she went flying after that ball. A little while later, she caught back up. She was about to pass it again. He threw another one, glittery, shiny ball, and she took off after that. She caught back up, was about to pass him again. He threw a third one and threw it over there, and she took off after that, and he ran across the finish line. He won the race and won the girl. Unfortunately, many of us are like Atlanta and chase after glittery little balls. You know, little shiny things that Satan puts in front of us that distract us and take us off the course, take us off track, take us down another way, take us to another area altogether. Christ wants us to follow him and get close to him, but yet we are chasing shiny little objects, whatever they may be. In your case, it, it, it could be money. It could be stuff. I used to have a Harley, and I, I would chase after that, probably. You know, those kind of things we, we, we think about. But we also let silly things, and Satan gets silly things in our way, like not wanting to get involved or hurt feelings or letting others get our blessings because we don't want to do any service or serving him. See, we all are not where we want to be or where we should be, but we let little things distract us and keep us from getting close to Him. We let those things get in our way, block our path, get us off the course, and we can lose the race. So, if that's what, what do we do when we fail? Do we give up, decide to go off another direction? What do we do? Many times we decide... Well, I've messed up, so that's it. I can't do anything. Oh, I can't serve a position in the church because, oh, man, all the things I've done in my past are all. See, my God tells me he forgives our sins and moves them as far as the east is from the west. If you've noticed, east doesn't ever meet west. You know, north and south, we kind of hit those pole things, but east and west... There's always something east of you and there's always something west of you. We, God removes those things. In the days this scripture was written, the Gnostics were very prominent and a lot of this was written because of that. Gnostics were intellectual and philosophical kind of people. They would try to make Christianity into this intellectual religion or philosophical religion. And they did, it, it wasn't that they denied the cross, they didn't deny Jesus, they even new Christianity they just wanted to add to it <laughs> you ever had anybody do that you ever heard people today try to add to what the gospel is of course we do we've all been there we've seen people add to it and much like today that's what they do the Gnostics would um, would teach that gluttony adultery homosexuality drunkenness all those didn't really matter because that was a part of the body that was the body was doing those and the spirit is what was the matter well we all know that when we continue to do sins against the body, it affects our spirit, expects our relationship with God. It, it, re, it, it messes things up between our relationship with us and God. And when we have that relationship messed up, we don't, aren't able to keep up like we should. Today, people are Christians on Sunday, and um, the devil most of the rest of the week, except sometimes we break for Wednesdays, you know? But no, the Antimonians and the Epicureans, they felt like you needed to experience both virtuous things and evil things. So they said you had to, you had to dabble in 
the earthly stuff and the wrong things in order to appreciate the heavenly stuff. Well, now, where does that get us? <laughs> you can pretty much ask anybody that's dabbled in stuff. That doesn't really help make your life better. When we dabble with sin and we start trying to play one foot in the world and one foot in the heav- in heavenly things, we find ourselves in trouble almost every time. And, and unfortunately, so many people and churches, unfortunately, do that. You see, we're called to be salt and light of the earth, right? And if we're salt of the earth, we're supposed to flavor the earth, right? And, and I had a preacher, his name was Brian, I'm, I'm stealing his illustration because I really like what he said. Um, he says, we, want, we like salty corn. We put salt on our corn, we like it salty. But you've never heard of corny salt, Right? The salt doesn't take on the flavor of the corn. The salt, the corn takes on the flavor of the salt. And we as Christians should be the salt of the earth. We shouldn't be corny salt. We should be salty corn. We should be salting the earth. We should be flavoring the earth. They should see our flavor, who we are. That is the way we, we find and can spread the gospel. We need to see the gospel, they need, the people around us need to see the gospel in us played out day in and day out. That's the way it works. As we lead and as we go, I know your church is without a pastor right now. And, the, and with that kind of situation, the tendency is to sit back and just bide our time. That's human nature. Well... We'll do this when the pastor gets here, or we'll do this when we get a pastor, or we'll do this when this happens, or we'll do, well, we've all done those projects at home. You know, oh, I'll fix that next week. And then next week comes, well, maybe next week. And then next week comes, and maybe next week, right? Maybe, maybe, I do that at home. Maybe you all may not do those kind of things, but I do. I, I will, I'm a great procrastinator. I mean, I can put it off. I know how. I'm an expert at letting it happen later. And you have to, but we understand that we need to not stay in a holding pattern. You need to keep on going for Now, God, what do you have in store for us? And as you go, because guess what? New pastors are going to want to come to a place that's keeping on, keeping on. If they see people just sitting there with their feet propped up, waiting on, give it to me, guy. Come on, let's hear it. Doesn't really work that way. You want, <laughs> we like to think it would, don't we? You know, lay it on me, you know, just give me all that stuff, but it doesn't work so well. I, I use the thing as a sponge. You ever, they don't use sponges as much anymore as they used to, but the sponge, if you, if you just let it sit there and gather water, and it just sits there for a couple weeks and never is used, what happens? It smells and stinks and does all that kind of stuff. But if you're using it and washing it out and keeping it going, and it's useful and it can clean and can do things. But if it's just sitting there, it just ends up getting stinky and smelling. And we don't want to sit here and get stinking and smelling, do we? We want to keep on going and keep moving and be used and let God use us. And the world is, um, is there and needs examples. If you're going to buy something expensive, now Daniel can tell you back in the day, I can't do it as much now, but back in the day, I always had a new car. Okay. I love a new car. And every, every two years, I'd trade every month if I could afford to, but I mean, I would trade every couple years. I'd trade cars. 
And I always bought a new one. That was back in the day when I would just swap payments so it didn't hurt so bad. Now that I don't have payments, it's a whole different ballgame to add a payment, you know. But I would buy a new car. Well, I was not going to buy a car, son, and see. Now, they do this nowadays, it seems like. And, um, but you want to you examine it. You want to look at it. You want to drive it. You want to make sure it's okay. Some, if I'm going to spend a bunch of money on something, I want to make sure it's okay. I bought a couch online one time. Big mistake. It's the most uncomfortable couch I ever sat in. You, you, you know what I'm saying? You all understand exactly. And unfortunately, in our days, these days, everything we buy is online. And we don't, but the good news is we can send it back. We don't like it. But we want to examine it, touch it, and feel it, and do that. Well, guess what? The world is out there examining us as Christians, saying, are they what they say they are? Are they appearing to be what, who they are? Or, or are they just saying things? Are they just going through motions? What are they doing? The world, it, and in order for them to see us, they need to see that we we know it will take courage to do that. It's hard to lead the Christian life in front of people and not cower down to them. It takes courage. It also takes confidence. Most everybody, when they say, well, I don't share my faith because I, I might get something wrong or I might say the wrong thing or I might do, they do that. I play trumpet, okay? I played trumpet since I was in fourth grade. You can do the math, it's a lot of years, okay? I also sing, okay? Now, when I was in fourth grade and started playing the trumpet, it was not good, obviously, but my singing apparently wasn't good either. I couldn't make it into the children's choir. The guy said, now you need to think of some other area to serve. I've taken that with me all my life. I went to college, and I went to a choral college because I needed the vocal skills, because I knew I was going to do minister music, and you better be able to sing a little bit so I learned to sing and I can sing some now and but but Daniel tell you I don't I don't sing solos very much it's a rare occasion occasion when I do that now I will play it from I am confident behind the trumpet I am not so confident behind my singing voice I don't mind getting up here I'll grab a horn and play anytime to jump out and sing, Jesus paid it all, is a little bit harder for me to do. Because I'm not as confident. We live our lives without the confidence that we have that Christ is there with us. You know, folks, when we're sharing our faith, God's going to help you through that. He'll give you words that you didn't even know you had. He does it every time. If you'll just have the confidence that, all right, Christ is in me. I am confident of that fact. He is with me every step of the way. I am confident of that fact. Guess what? There's half the battle. We also need to tell others, continue to let them know. And we need to be consistent about it. We're not good at consistency. You know, I'll, I'll along real good. I'll admit it. Trying to read through the Bible. I've made it through. But man, about Leviticus, I get bogged down every time. I'm sure, here again, I'm sure I'm the only one that has these issues. But, uh, you know, we get, there's certain, you know, what, we have good intentions, we want, but being that consistent, keeping on, keep, is more difficult, isn't it? It's like baby, daily Bible readings, it's like quiet times, it's like any, any spiritual discipline or practice. It is difficult to be that. We... We can't go running around doing whatever we claim to be following Christ 
and not be of good character. And for the people, as they're examining us and watching us, to see our consistency and how are we every day, do we really get road rage every time we get out on that traffic? Going, man, I go in Atlanta. Doesn't take long for me to be yelling, what are you doing? Einstein, come on! You know, those kind of things. Again, I'm sure I'm the only one that has these issues. But we have Christ as our example. Christ is our example. He's the one we follow. And if we'll use him as our example and continue to follow him, guess what? Things will go better. You've had a pastor that was almost here 25 years. What an example that is over all those years, showing you a consistent model of, of sacrifice, official living and living for Christ and all those. Those are important times. And as you move into this new segment, this new area, you're going to look for someone that can give you that kind of example again. And then you're also going to want to be the example for those around you. You want to be that example for your children, for your grandchildren, for your friends, your neighbors, whoever it may be. We want to be consistent and we want to be ready to do that, to spread that gospel. We're all called to spread the good news. Which brings us to, what is the good news? Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus Christ. His good, he left. It's still, every time I mention it, every time I think about it, that he left heaven, the perfect place, the wonderful godly place, and came to earth. Not a godly place. Not always a beautiful place. To be mistreated, to be treated like the way, I mean, you think about the way they were always looking to trick him, to trap him, to try to do something to him. They were always, and these were the spiritual people, much less all the other folks. The ones that are supposed to be the spiritual leaders were the ones trying to trip him up and do all this. He went through all that and even was crucified so that we could experience relationship with him and with God, so that we could get close to him. The world needs to hear that. This world needs Jesus more than anything. And then he did something even more than that. He rose from the dead. He came again. We talk about second coming. He sort of had a second coming, if you think about it, after he rose from the dead. He rose again. I mean, he was dead. That, some, some liberal scholars will try to tell you, you know, he wasn't. He was just in a trance or sleep. And no, he was dead. They stuck a spear in his side. I mean, he was dead. He came back to life to show that death has no power over him. Which brings us to us, death has no power over us. And we can learn, live this wonderful life knowing that God has defeated death. Christ has defeated death for us. And that we can defeat death by living again with him. And it says that in this passage. It doesn't end, death is not the end, it's the beginning. You know, there's some um, pastors at all that'll bring out this really long rope and they'll find this little piece of little tape on the one end and then they'll bring out like 50 feet of rope or something and they'll pull it out and they say, see this tape on the end, that's your life. See all this rope, this is part of eternity and it's not even starting it. We, we forget that this little short life we have is a second, not even that long, compared to eternity. I, uh, 
I, I, my Bible is really thick, as you can see. It's got two versions in it. And um, some people like it, some people don't. It's got, I use New International Version most of the time. I'm not going to get into the theological debates about what version's correct and what isn't. It's God's Word. God uses it. If God will use whatever version they will and get people to read it and follow it, I'm for it. That's just, that's Wes's theology. Now you know it. Um, one, 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 the other version in here is the message. Now, that's a paraphrase. It kind of puts things in. And what I like about the message, and it's not, you know, some people say, well, it's not as accurate. Well, it may not be, but it's more accurate than some of the versions we used back in the mm, 60s and 70s. Um, but it's, it is, what I like about it is it makes certain things pop, what I call pop. It just kind of brings it to light a little bit more, and that's why I use it. I, don't, I rarely use it just that. In a, like I read the New International Version when I read before. But I'm going to read the same passage in the message. And it says this. I am not saying that I have this all together. That I have it made. But I'm well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this. Y'all feel that way? Paul did too. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is, beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for the same goal. They're out there. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you about them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is Easy Street. They hate Christ's cross, but Easy Street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods, belches are their praises. All they can think of is their appetites. But there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. We're waiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he was putting everything as it should be under and around him. You see, it, it just kind of opens our eyes to these things. It, you know, it, it talks about us Baptists that make our bellies, our, you know, thing. Um, there's nothing like a good Baptist supper afterwards, you know, where they have all the things. And, and don't get me wrong, if you read the scripture as you keep reading it, so many big things happen around the what? Meals. Major issues in the Bible, all the Last Supper. He fed the, the disciples after he came back on the beach. There, I mean, there's instance of feeding of the 5,000. I mean, you, you, instance after instance after instance where he used that. And he says, what he's saying, though, is don't make that your reason. What we need to do is put Christ in the forefront. Christ is who we're after. Christ is who we're, is our example. He is our Savior. And when we can put him first, then all this other stuff falls into place. And that's our goal. That's our life. That's who what we are to do, is to put him first, be that example so the world around us who desperately, desperately needs Jesus, 
That's what's wrong with our world today. I don't care what political side you're on. I don't care where you land on, any of that stuff. Our biggest need is we need Jesus, and we need him as our example, and not stuff, the world, smooth, easy lifestyles. That's not our example. Christ is our example. We are to follow him, live for him. Let the world know that he is alive. He is with us. And he is their answer to whatever their question is. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your presence and we thank you for who you are. Lord, help us to follow you. Help us, Lord, to be the example you would have us to be. Help us to trust you. You are amazing, Lord. You are wonderful and gracious. We praise you. We lift your name up. We ask you to come into our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.